0: Hello there, welcome along to the podcast Sport & Life. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you for hitting on that button. Thank you to the sponsors as well, Bang Bagnolofsson of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations, Friday the 18th of December today. So a week until Christmas, check out BO Cheltenham on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking to get some Bagnolofsson equipment or something Different bespoke, a different brand, which is uh, definitely sourceable through Serene V, the sister company there. They have the Bang & Olufsen franchise, but Jason Briggs and his team can uh, deck you out with whatever you need and just a free consultation or whatever. Get in touch with them. Um, and that would be uh, very nice. So I hope you're having good luck with your Christmas shopping. I hope you're feeling well on that note. Uh, thank you to Cytoplan for the association with the podcast, which has been crystallized this year. Obviously, my father, Dr. Mark Draper, has worked for the food based supplement company Cytoplan, C Y T O P L A N, since, well, around the year 2000, really. And he kind of, his interest in trace elements in particular, micronutrition, galvanized that relationship and the sort of belief that we need to supplement our regular diet with a multitude of reasons, but two big ones being industrial farming's perhaps over. Farming of the soil and the lack of uh, the soil giving time to to be fallow and to regenerate in terms of trace elements like selenium and zinc, essential micronutrients, and also the fact that we were, despite getting bigger and more obese in general in the west of the world, the Western world, we were taking in less calories. So it's a complex picture. My father's been working on for twenty years, and they've come on board with a podcast offering a discount for food-based supplements. And I do believe that the immune complete two is a good holistic one-stop shop in terms of uh, ticking all those bases, particularly the vitamin D3 at the moment, the selenium, the zinc, uh, vitamins, other vitamins besides that as well. Immune Complete 2 is a supplement I'm taking from Cytoplan, and there is Immune Complete 1 for women who are menstruating or children and for younger children, Immunovite as well is uh, one for the immunity as we look to obviously uh, keep COVID-19 at bay where we can, but also the regular coughs and colds. So if you go to cytoplan.co.uk, my discount code, for 30% off the initial purchase and then 10% thereafter. My code is Draper10R, D R A P E R 10 and then the capital letter R. So Draper10R. Brilliant. Uh, on to the podcast. Good friend of mine, former co presenter on the toe to toe ringside boxing podcast at Sky Sports. Spencer Fearon works as an analyst currently for MTK Global. Former fighter himself, professional boxer, trainer, manager, promoter. He's pretty much worn all the hats, but above all, his historic knowledge stands him apart from almost anyone I believe that I've spoken to, certainly verbally without the ability to research. He just picks off dates, times, life stories. And someone I wanted to riff on with him now after speaking to him about Jack Johnson, the the first black heavyweight champion last month, was Rocky Marciano, who's obviously referenced in popular culture because he was undefeated captivating name the inspiration for the Rocky movies under Sylvester Salone. we talk a little bit about that Spencer reminded me about that in the podcast but famously undefeated and uh, etched in history because of that and we riff a little bit up coming up here about the current heavyweight scene as well Anthony Joshua's recent win over Kubrat Pulev to retain his world titles which seemingly fingers crossed sets up unification bout possibly for undisputed if they can all keep hold of the belts between Joshua and a fellow Brit Tyson Fury We just talk about the physical differences between the modern-day heavyweight, who effectively is a super heavyweight by historical standards. At least giants of, in terms of physical stature and weight, and how Rocky would have matched up to them, been probably up to their midriff. But uh, nonetheless, was a ferocious character, and perhaps negatively—not negatively, but perhaps his legacy tarnished by the sense that he didn't have great heavyweights in his era. But we talk about that how he came between Joe Lewis, even though he beat an aged Joe Lewis. And then the Floyd Patterson, Cassius Clay, Sonny Liston, sort of era of the the late fifties, early sixties. So it's a different time, and we riff a little bit about the, the historical context with the COVID situation in mind as well, the complexities of of how that's affected us all. And on that note, I'm speaking to John Hudson, another friend of mine, the UK chief military survival instructor. Uh, next uh, week, have recorded the podcast already. The survival instructor, broadcaster. Good, good guy. And he's going to talk about the mindset of, of COVID and how we can get through it with using some of the stoicism that people use in survival situations. I and mean, the, the philosophy of, of controlling the controllable. And, and Spencer talks about that in the historical context of of Rocky Marciano, being born in 1923, and his career very much being affected by the Second World War, the magnitude of that and the ripples effect on all of society. Um, but, yeah, fascinating conversation. Really appreciate Spencer's time because he had his family there. And his little girl, little bubba he was calling her, was making a little bit of noise, was upset because schools and nurseries have been closed in London prematurely because of the COVID uh, pandemic and Christmas come early in a sense, but made his conversation a little bit more challenging for him. So I really appreciate his time. But here he is, uh, Master Knowledge on Instagram, Spencer Fearon, the one and only uh, tactician, technician and, above all, historical boxing expert, Spencer. Here he is. Okay. And we're recording. Spence, how are you? You, you looking forward to Christmas in these strange times? Yeah, oh, mate. Um, I'm uh, looking forward to the break. Yeah, most definitely. Good, good, good. Yeah, relax, relax with the family. I know you're doing some uh, impromptu childcare today because of uh, the schools uh, being closed early. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. They broke up for, um, so it's not easy
1: now. I've got a full house of children. Yeah. And, and, yeah, so it's a, it's a bit nuts, but it's an enjoyable <laughs> night for the scene. Well,
0: I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate your time very much, mate. And it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a real time. You're the modern man, though. You're juggling, you're juggling it all. And we were just saying, actually, we were chatting about uh, the year in boxing and, and reflecting it feels like the sport's done the best it could, really, given the pandemic. Um, it has
1: done, I think. I think especially professional boxing. Um, yeah. It's, it's nice to see, like, there's a show on tonight. Mick has got a show, Wish I Can versus Craig Richards for the British like heavyweight title. Uh, Frank Warren's done good with his shows with um, Dubois and Joyce and Arthur um, versus Yard. Mm. Um, MTK Global put on loads of different shows, so I thank God that I'm well, with MTK Global because mm. <clears throat> they, they, uh, they go out on ESPN Plus on the app, which mm. goes out to something like 30 million people around the world. So it's... Not bad. It's pretty, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm uh I'm pretty grateful that the sport has not died in any way. The sport has still continued. The sport is is still living. So yeah. that's gonna be a good thing, right?
0: Yeah. We're just rooting for those small hall shows to come back in the pro ranks and then the amateur stuff, all the way up to the Olympics, I suppose, with fingers crossed that happens next year and people like Fraser Clark get their sort of long awaited opportunity to, to shine in, in that arena and I think you're right, I think sports accommodated well enough. I just hope we get sort of back to getting those fans in, even if it's a few thousand, just to enable some of those smaller things events to happen, like the lower league football clubs as well. It's, it's huge for, for the sort of, the sort of lower rungs of, of sport to get anyone in there to pay that, pay that ticket money. Um, and we, we mentioned before as well, Joshua didn't we? We were talking about that before we started recording about how he, he he seems to be improving and learning, which is it takes quite a good mindset to do that when you've had so much success. And you're so financially secure and in uh, and, and a lofty status. He seems to be putting himself in uncomfortable zones to learn. Well, the thing about it is this. It's like um,
1: third place. 20, I spoke to him the night before the fight. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's pretty weird because me and Andy Josh did been speaking about a year. So yeah. it's sort all of like he sent me a message out of the blue um, a few months ago. And it was um he's pretty complimentary. We had a very, very good talk and um yeah we hadn't we hadn't spoken in a year mm. after that Linux Lewis nice debacle. So mm. it was it was nice to speak to the gentleman and um and we get to speak boxing and the the certain things that he's trying to implement inside of his fighting style now, which mm. I'm uh I am, I'm I'm, I'm not I'm pleasantly not surprised I'm saying I'm pleasantly honoured that he and his team have actually listened to certain things that I've been saying that he should do and and the nice thing is that he credited that to me as well so um I'm I was I was impressed with his performance um the other day yeah um for a couple for a couple reasons but the um I would say the major reason was that he's learning Mm. Um, and he's trying to implement the things that he's he's learning with so
0: that's why i'm happy Mm. and that's true i'm 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 happy for him yeah he talks about two personas which you've often talked about in reference to two different type of boxers you always back the boxer over the fighter he references the, the two inside of him is it important that they become in tune and synchronised when he fights Fury and Usyk in the sense that there's no time for conscious thought. You have to slip between the two instinctively. Well,
1: the thing about it is this. As much as, much as we say there's no time for, for conscious thought, there is actually time for conscious thought because if mm-hmm. we look at... Um, um, there were certain fighters who were very, very good at taking instructions. I remember I said, like, Amir Khan did have a boxing brain and everyone I was trying to slag but Ahmed Khan... No, I'm saying Amir Khan doesn't do things instinctively. Amir Khan is a person that if you've got a game plan, he's very good at following orders. Mm. Uh, we've seen that in, uh, in quite a few fights, especially um, his Madonna fight that he had when yeah. he was under the chair of Freddie Roach. Um, yeah, on those like
0: that, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was a horrible, horrible, tough fight, but he, he stuck to orders. Um, mm. And these are the things where I'm saying with Amir Khan. Uh, and I think, likewise, I think Andy Joshua is kind of similar to Amir Khan, where he hasn't been allowed to freestyle his stuff. Mm. You know, it's like you 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 get I don't know how how can I break it down for for any of the listeners. You get you'd get a rapper like Papoose, who is an <laughs> incredible freestyler, right? He's yeah, an incredible, incredible freestyler. You get somebody like uh, a Biggie Smalls, mm-hmm. who is a freestyler. Biggie Smalls could write down things lyrically and it would just be, it will blow your mind. So, it's a difference. Both of them are great. I ain't taking away nothing from them saying they're not great, but one is a freestyler and yeah. can freestyle. And one isn't a freestyler that doesn't take away from his greatness.
0: Did Biggie not, um, free, did he freestyle in New York when he was coming through then, Biggie, or not? Or yeah, of yeah. yeah, of course he Yeah, of course he But, he went but that way. He, but yeah. Yeah, he famous, but Biggie Smalls famously said, you don't really do the, the freestyle stuff.
1: Mm. Do you know what I yeah. mean? He, yeah. The guy that likes write down lyrics and think about and, and stuff like that. So there's, there's a difference. So I'm like, with, with Anthony Joshua, who he needs to freestyle a little bit more. But whereas it is a business and it is a, it's, a, it's a very, very lucrative business. So the people around him have become multi-millionaires. You yeah. know I mean? Rob McCracken is a multi-millionaire, is a he? humble millionaire. Of course he is but he's a humble millionaire, but he's a
0: multi-millionaire. What multi-millionaire. was he before through Carl Froch as well, potentially? I don't no, know. Yeah, exactly.
1: Of course, he made he yeah. made with Carl Froch, but I'm saying the real money has come with Anthony Joshua. Mm. Because if you think about it, what are they saying that Anthony Joshua's amassed? 100 mil, 150 mil? It's all mad money.
0: Phenomenal. isn't right. it? He, he's so captured the public imagination in a, in a kind right, of then. unprecedented way in our time in Britain, I think. All right, okay. I'm
1: not just talking fight purses.
0: Yeah, but I think that comes, so from, the from, that comes from the public,
1: right. so, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. So, from five persons alone, just say Rob McCracken was getting five percent, which I know he's not getting, and I'm not talking about his business. I actually like Rob McCracken, I'm just <laughs> using this. I, this is conjecture. I, get, we, we, we're all alone for Rob McCracken this Christmas. Right. <laughs> now, Rob, Rob McCracken is a good people. I, one of the he's just he, he is he is what you see, you know what I mean? He's, yeah. It's not, there's no um real um, spitefulness behind Rob McCracken. He's a person who's very, it's seemingly reclusive yeah. and but he's a person that's willing to give anybody a helping hand and I've got a lot of time for Rob. I spent a lot of time with Rob McCracken when we used to have the Real Fight Club and I was running at gymnasium and like all of them times he was training, all of the boys when he was working with McHennessy. he was training yeah. all the guys and they would train there every single day. So yeah. Like I said, i got a lot of time for Ron McCracken, good people. But what I'm saying is, um, the respect that Andy Joshua has for Ron McCracken, a trainer can only do so much, right? Yeah. A trainer can to go every single style. A trainer can write, go, right, you ain't. So I respect Ron McCracken for saying, okay, then, well, we're going to bring in other people as well. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? I'm still the boss here, but we're going to bring in other people as well. Mm-hmm. and that is what you call a true network and I think Andy Joshua now has a true network he's got that Angel Fernandez guy in and I've forgotten the yeah. other gentleman with a bald head um, Kobe,
0: Kobe right. Clayton is it or to- yeah someone Clayton
1: yeah, yeah. I, I mean I don't know his ring experience or anything else or that, 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 but
0: I'm saying he's yeah. got other people got he's got other people mo- motivational that. coach isn't he I think was sort of Angel or Angel Fernandez who worked with Isaac Chamberlain I think he's doing some more of the technical stuff isn't he as I understand it
1: okay the past right. stuff so, so he's got He's got those people around him now. So, therefore, you know, that's going to bring him more up the game.
2: Mm.
1: And I can't, I can't uh, knock anything that Andy Joshua's doing now um, because he's actually learning the game. And I was just screaming out for ages and ages and ages. I just wish that he would have boxing people around him. And it's nice that he's taken that on board.
0: Yeah. We'd really root for Tyson Fury staying fit and well and, and then that match happening and possibly a rematch in 2021 if they can configure it and the stars can align and whether Deontay Wilder gets his way with the sort of um, legal case for the trilogy fight people, people, the, the, the thing is this.
1: If either man has a conclusive
0: victory, mm-hmm. why would they, they need, need to be a rematch? Even though it's in the clause of the contract, man, why would there need to be a rematch? Yeah. So you think if Joshua lost convincingly, he wouldn't execute that rematch clause necessarily? if he lost convincingly, why would he need to, why, why? Mm. If you lost convincingly,
1: without a shadow of a doubt, you just got beat up in every department. What are you going to come back to? Yeah. And obviously, it must be the money, but... But he did it with with Ruiz, didn't he? He He was well
0: beaten by by Ruiz and then came back. He wasn't well beaten by Ruiz. Mm. This is the next thing. He wasn't. (laughs) He got, he got... Hit on the temple. Yeah. He got
1: caught with a left hook in the same round where he floored the guy. Right? Mm. Yeah. He got... And that's because it was a wandering concentration. Like, I've got this in the bag now. And a lot of people don't understand the, the you, you can feel it, right? It's like, you know, like, you know when people say like a, a woman's intuition, mm-hmm. right? The intuition is an instinctive feeling that is brought on by vibrational frequencies that are given off by other human beings. Yeah. Now, you're in America. Do you understand what kind of um, it's a different level of attention that you gotta pay? Number one, it's not your home ground. Number yeah. two, even though you had the, the the municipal amount of of fans there were there for you, right? But a lot of them were American. Yeah. And a lot of them even American, they can relate to this Mexican guy who's come in there, who, who, who looks like um, the reincarnation of uh uh Tony Galeno, the person who fought um what well, yeah did he fight? He fought for the world title against Joe Lewis, a really big, fat, round, yeah. pudgy kind of guy. Yeah. That's what it was there. Right? But the <laughs> difference is this when I was warning everybody, I was saying, listen, this guy can actually fight. Yeah. Don't look at his size and think that he can't fight, the guy can actually fight. And what happened was he was fighting that energy as well. Mm-hmm. He was fighting that energy. And you gotta think for a young man who's relatively inexperienced boxing-wise. He's got a lot of success, but he's relatively inexperienced where he has it at the nights where his friends have been over and they've been watching boxing till four o'clock in the morning. Or you've rushed around to one of your friends' house because you can't buy Sky and you ain't got Sky in your house, but you gotta go to one of your friends' house to watch boxing and you're watching the whole thing. When I mean the whole thing, the whole thing. You're watching the whole of the undercard, you're watching the guys who were like the four-round fighters. And the whole thing, yeah, you've been brought up like that. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. you've been brought up towards the main events. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you're not really immersed in the sport like that. Yeah. But now you are. And now you are emerging into that, right? Yes. Now you've been, Now it's like you talk to Joshua and he's got fights on the screen. He's watching this fight
0: and he's watching that fight and blah,
1: blah, blah. Yeah, he's, ma- he's making
0: way. mastery his goal, isn't he? Which is, which is key, I think, exactly. retaining your motivation. Yeah, exactly. And if you're making mastery your goal, you've got to talk to masters period yeah well that's good it's great for it was great for joshua i wanted to i wanted to talk just a little history series because obviously um we've we've talked about different different boxers down the years and, and one we've sort of touched upon with the undefeated record i suppose in reference when we were doing the podcast at sky maybe to joe Calzaghi and floyd mayweather in terms of undefeated modern fighters andre ward we always talk about rocky marciano but never really explored too much about him. He sort of fit, you mentioned Joe Lewis, they fitted between that era and then the Floyd Patterson, Sonny Liston, Muhammad Ali kind of era, Cassius Clay, didn't he? And what, what are your reflections overall on on Marciano? Because we're talking about Anthony Joshua there and we, we talk about the size of human beings and how it's changed. He's six feet, six inches tall, 81 inch plus reach. I was looking at what Marciano was uh, 5 feet 10 you probably correct me if, if I'm wrong but 5 feet 10 and, and about 13 stone and, and sixty-eight no, inch reach no Rocky Marciano was 5 foot ten and a half.
1: get it right so <laughs>
2: that
0: <laughs> half inch is important Every, yeah we, we is, all know that that is that <laughs> yeah is. you got to get it in there but he was a, yeah I mean he was kind of probably a light heavyweight was he by modern thoughts I suppose um, not necessarily a a, a, a light a light heavyweight, mm.
1: because it was a stone above the light heavyweight. Because Rocky Marciano' optimum fighting weight was like, you know, thirteen five. Mm. It was in the exactly way, yeah. yeah, right, right, thirteen five. So thirteen five. they mean, it's no man's land, Yeah, yeah, exactly. One hundred seventy five pounds is is the um, light heavyweight limit. So
0: yeah, Marciano was. Uh, yeah. Between yeah, Light Heavy yeah. and Cruiser, wasn't he? So he'd been a bit of a, that sort of
1: no man's land. It's, guess, which, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Because I know right now, as I speak I'm heavier than Marciano used to fight. Or, I'm, <laughs> no, so I'm around right about, yeah. I'm Yeah, because I'm like, at this present moment, I'm like 14-2. Yeah. Um, how the hell I used to get into like middleweight, I don't know. But yeah, at this moment now, I'm <laughs> 14-2 and I don't look fat. No. So, um, yeah, Marciano was, was that guy, you know. Um, and we take away, a lot from Marciano because you think about from the time when he beat Joe Lewis, right? Yeah. I beat an old Joe Lewis. He did beat an old Joe Lewis. I'm not gonna lie to anybody and say that he didn't beat an old Joe Lewis. He did beat an old Joe Lewis,
2: mm.
1: right? And and Joe Lewis was boxing pretty good in that fight before it got stopped. And that was in 19, what was that, 1951? Right? 1951 he fights Joe Lewis. And
0: yeah, how old because Joe Lewis, I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Because he I guess Joe Lewis's career was broken up by the war' like a lot of people's it
1: was It was broken up by the war, but um, the difference in comparison like with Joe Lewis, Joe Lewis came back because he was broke. If you know, the IRS took a lot of money from him. He boxed exhibitions while in the army and donated all of the money to Uncle Sam, right? Yeah uh, And then after the war. And when he thought that he could retire in a blaze of glory, um, they got onto him and said, listen, Joel, you owe all lose back taxes. And he's thinking, what are you talking about? I'm up to date with my taxes. And yeah. it was like, nah, nah, you've got all these taxes to go and pay. And right. unfortunately for him, that's what he had to do. He had to pay all these back taxes. So you think like with well, Joel Lewis, his last fight was in 48 when he fought um, George Joel Walcott, right? Yeah, for what was it? I think it was the third time. No, the second time. Sorry, first time. Joe Joe Walcott beat him,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but he never got the decision. Right, it was a split decision, and it went to it went to um, Joe Lewis. Yeah. I understand he went to Joe. It went to um, uh, it went to, to Joe Lewis because Joe it's Lewis controversial was, was it? Uh, yeah? it was a controversial one because he was an iconic figure. Mm-hmm. And when I want mean to be an iconic figure at the time when Black Americans were not allowed to vote. Um, Joe Lewis was embraced by white America because of his win over Max Smelling. Yeah. right. So it was, a, it was a very, very big thing. And if you know, like he, famous, he lost the well, first time. Smelling, ger- smelling was German. Smelling was German. But the thing about it is this, Smelling wasn't, wasn't embracatory of Nazi Hitler mm. and Nazi Germany. He wasn't story at all because his manager was actually Jewish. Yeah, right. But regardless, they had smelling up on this massive loft because it was you're actually fighting. You're actually fighting for America, so it was America versus Mm -hmm. Germany. Yeah. And so it was a very very big thing. It's good to reflect on that time
0: as well, isn't it? Because at the moment we've had a tough year, but you, I was reading about the actor Jimmy Stewart who fought in the Second World War. He's in. It's a Wonderful Life, the big Christmas film. But he was post traumatic stress disorder after being a fighter pilot in the war, and all these guys were living a, a really serious time in the world.
1: Yeah, um, you you think about it of, of that time there. It was it was know hard. Mm. I mean, it, it it was hard. So what I'm saying, like with, with, with Joe Lewis, Joe Lewis was was the darling of America. Mm. Um, because he was, he, he was just that, that, that human being that, that very smart, the people behind him was a man called John Roxburgh. He was a numbers man in America. Um, you know, numbers is like lottery, yeah, which is illegal, but yeah. So he was a very, very wealthy man. He also, he also managed a, uh, a couple of American baseball players. He was a very, very smart, intellectual black
0: guy from Detroit. So, 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 so Rocky Marciano, when he beat him, was he then sort of negatively perceived by American public? No,
1: no, because when Marciano fought
0: him, you know, I think
1: uh, at the time, Joe Lewis was on, like 33 at the time.
2: Hmm. Uh,
1: he cried his eyes out. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mar- Marciano cried his eyes out because he knew that I beat my hero. Yeah. Kind of like in a similar kind of thing to Larry Holmes when he fought Ali. Yeah, in, uh, in October of 1980, very very similar. Even though the difference was like Joe Lewis didn't really spar with, yeah. didn't have um, Marciano as a sparring partner. But Joe Lewis was so beloved because of you know the defeat of Max Smiling, the man to hold the title the longest, to make the most world title defenses, 25 title defenses, and all these kind of things. It made Joe Lewis become this allowed superhero. There's yeah. a very famous story of a uh, there was an African American who was going who was sentenced to the electric chair, and as they strapped him into the chair and was just about to turn it on, the guy's petrified. He screams at the top of his voice, "Joe Lewis saved me." <laughs> that's wow. how big Joe Lewis was,
0: right? Yeah, <laughs> like, the heavyweight champions big, in general—they were just we talked about in the past. haven't I mean, how iconic they were, and and how revered they were around the world at a time when the world wasn't as connected as it is now. Yeah, um, and, and,
1: and that's the truth. Um, so when Joe Louis defeated him, because at the time, America didn't have, uh, didn't have a white heavyweight champion,
2: mm.
1: prior to the time of that, it was, you know what I mean, some 16 years. Yeah. Um, the, the last white heavyweight champion was James J. Braddock, who Joe Lewis beat in, uh, in, what was that, 30, 36, 30, yeah. No, sorry, 37, mm. when he beats him for the world title. So you could kind of, you know? yeah, you can kind of understand, Yeah, you know, 12 years. So you can kind of understand, like, the longing for um,
0: uh, a white champion. Yeah. But, 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 but interestingly, he had to change his name, didn't he? Is, you know, we talk about equality and fairness, but he was of Italian stock, and his actual given name, we've got to hear, Rocco Francis Marco Giano. But obviously, he, he, he anglicised it to make it easier for the American public to accept him, because you forget that those sort of immigrant waves went through difficult times in the States as well, didn't they, along with the, the Irish of, at different
1: of, times? Of, of, of course they did. Mm. Of, course, of, of course they did. But... Um, when we speak about these kind of things, and I'm, it's not even. I'm saying, like I've said this earlier, oppression is oppression, no matter from what side it's ever coming from, mm. right? And there is a uh, there is an empathy with anybody that you could see in the world that's being oppressed. So I get it. the Italian. They did. They changed up their names um, to fit in, but there's loads of people that do that. But yeah. the Italians had to do that. Uh, or not only that, maybe it was just to be easier on the tongue as well. Yeah, because Announced, yeah, by ring announcer, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you look at what Marciano did at the time when Marciano beat in Joe Lewis, he 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 cried his eyes out. He actually beat his hero. Yeah. Because if you're into boxing, you would have to love Joe Lewis because Joe Lewis is the person that never did anything wrong, never said well publicly, right? Never yeah. said nothing out of line. Uh, was was on um was told by his management team while you're fighting an opponent especially if they're white never hold your hands above him in victorious victoriously wow never yeah never be yeah. never be pictured with a white lady
0: this
1: is a reaction to jack this is a reaction to jack johnson who we talked exactly about, though, which yeah. we covered which we covered on your last podcast right mm-hmm. so all of these kind of things so joe lewis and joe lewis with sure robinson went to went to war for his country served for his country and on top of that he donated all of his funds to uh the american government mm. and and the army so joe lewis couldn't do anything wrong at all yep. so uh very clever people who are behind joe lewis very these his public personas, incredible mm-hmm. so marcelo beat him but it was like you know what Joe Luce is old. Joe Luce is past peak. Bloody, bloody, blah, blah. Then he goes and he fights. Um, Jersey
0: Joe Walcott for the title, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. He
1: Jersey Joe Joe Walcott a year later for the title. Right? Yeah. Um, in Philadelphia. And that's more to the angle of um, Sylvester Stallone's character in Rocky because he was from Philly. And <laughs> the fact that Rocky Marston won a Wonder World title in Philadelphia when he beats Joe Walcott before that he fights a guy called Harry Matthews mm. now a lot of people like kind of brush Harry Matthews to one side right Harry Matthews was a friggin excellent fighter yeah know? just looking at his record 81-3-5
0: <laughs> 81 wins wow
1: right a really good fighter lost some good guys you know? I can't remember um, he lost twice to Don Coppel. And Don Cockle goes on the fight Rocky Marciano for the world title, but um, and Don Cockle's from Great Britain. If anyone anyway, yeah. felt no, but Don Don Cocker was as tough as they could be, mm. right? When I mean tough, I mean ridiculously tough. He took some horrible shots from Marciano when they when they fought, but yeah, good, yeah. Um, yeah. So when we when we turn around and say, oh, but Rocky Marciano, um, he he, he wasn't great. Rocky Marciano was great. Mm. He but he was stylistically wasn't good at all.
0: No, was it slug Because right. it was this Susie, Q, Susie Q punch, yeah. which apparently I was reading yeah. was from a dance or something at the time. But this what he called it. Was it a right hook? Is, was that the key punch? The Susie Q, as he called yep. it? Yep. Yep. And if you got hit with that shot, you're finished. But I'm just <laughs> letting you know
1: that now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he did. He fought, he fought good men. you got to think, like, there's a, there's a lot of rumour about the second fight that he had with Jojo Walcott, right? Um, yeah that, you know, Jerry Joe Wolcott made $250,000. We're talking, this is 1953, right? Whoa. <laughs> right, yeah, so it's a lot, a lot of, money. of money. Yeah. A lot of money. And they also say that Jerry Joe Wolcott took a
0: dive. First round knockout, <laughs> was it? Yeah. yeah.
1: First round knockout. Uh, it was more like, he was more broken hearted about, about the fight, but he knowing like how much money that he was going to earn... And he just fought to himself, to hell with this one. Here. <laughs> and that's and this is this is from like yeah. um, very famous boxing um, writers. And that was actually that was Joe Walcott's last fight. He was like, mm. to hell with
0: this one. I ain't got time for this no more. And he was sort of in his late 30s when he fought Marciano, wasn't he? So I suppose it's an argument that he wasn't necessarily in his prime either. But Marciano, you just stylistically say wasn't, I guess, aesthetically pleasing, but he must have had great assets what were they just that he could get to people because of his short stature that he could come inside and no uh, it it was more
1: of his persistence it was more of his persistence and more of the fact that and his his toughness and Marciano had a good chin even though Marciano got he got floored he got floored by Giorgio Walker right but Marciano could really take a shot Mm. And not only that, but he had great recuperative powers. So you get hit. And kind of similar to Larry Holmes. Like Larry Holmes would get hit with a shot and go over and then get up. Yeah. Yeah. Marciano was the same, but with Marciano, he'd get up and instead of trying to hold and trying to survive, he'd come right at you to fight you. Um, yeah. okay. he had a fight with Ronald Slaughter, right? And in the middle of his nose was cut right down, You could open it and see his bone.
0: And yeah. he carried on fighting. Yeah, his nose was pretty beaten up, wasn't it, Marciano, when you see the pictures yeah. of him, actually? Yeah. Yeah. So, so like... Could, could, could taking a punch, is that genetic, or is that something that he would do in terms of moving his head when he receives a shot? What do you, what's your no, assessment No, because you,
1: you, you see that Marciano didn't have the greatest head movement. Mm. Marciano's head movement was never void, to tell you the honest truth. I would say the thing that made Marciano so good uh, was, is how he could shuffle his feet into punching range and punch. Hmm. Right? And it was so inviting because you think, well, this guy's in front of me. I'm going to punch back at him. Mm. And like, so he didn't mind engaging with you. And he'd throw straight hooks, would he, rather than he wouldn't try and work off a jab or anything? No, well, the thing about it is this, Rocky Master, I want a guy to come out there and throw double jabs and move and throw head and body. He wasn't that kind of guy. Mm. Right? He'd he'd very faint. He'd get up close. He'd he'd pummel or batter your arms. Right? Mm -hmm. So your arms become sore and you don't even want to raise them. He's like, he's two fights with walk up Not so with but Ezra Charles, who's... Uh, yeah, one of your on Charles, court. isn't he? You've always yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. I love Ezra it, Charles the bit, the Cincinnati Cobra. Um, but Ezra Charles was a, a natural light heavyweight. Well, I mean a heavyweight, sorry. Because mm. he started off as a middleweight and then boxer, light heavy. Uh, I would say that Ezra Charles is the greatest light heavyweight of all time. If you look at his record, he's got, like... Um, Five five times beating um, Archie Moore, beating um, great men like Charlie Burley, who Sugar Robinson allegedly didn't want to fight. We go through a list and say that Ezra Charles, and he wasn't a big guy, but even when we talk about he wasn't a big guy, Ezra Charles was heavier than Rocky Marciano. Mm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, when they fought, there were two times that they fought. He was the heavier guy. So, so you have to give Marciano credit for that, that he won those two. Of course you do. Of course you do.
1: You got to think it's five. This five, five and five foot, ten, ten and a half guy coming forward, not got the best boxing abilities, not got the best attributes. No one ever said that he did, right? Yeah. But he made good of what he had. So when we think about Rocky Marciano, we think about that truly. We've got to say that Rocky Marciano
0: was a great overachiever. Mm. A massive overachiever. He must have carried big power for his weight in particular. must have had 43 knockouts from 49 fights. Would, Would you like that? Would you liken him to Tyson at all? Is that, is that sort of going too far? Or what would you say in terms no, no, no. of stature and style? Why?
1: The thing about it is, is you're saying like... No, the thing with Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson way quicker than anything. Mike Tyson um, was very quick and sharp. Mm. Um, what was it Was it January 21, 1988, when he knocks out uh, Larry Holmes in four rounds? And Larry Holmes was saying like, the other guys like like... Um, a uh, Ken Norton or an Ernie was hit harder than Tyson. But mm. if it were Tyson, he was very
0: sharp. Mm. It was yeah. very, very sharp. And he was heavier than Marciano as well, wasn't he? Tyson, a good couple it, of heavier. Yeah,
1: he was yeah. two yeah, stone heavier than Marciano.
0: But that that's that's the
1: difference when you look at like a Mike Tyson or Rocky Marciano. Um, but that kind of bludgeoning style was was what Marciano yeah. would do. And no doubt, I, I read a book on Marciano, and Marciano said that he used to love. Um, Henry Armstrong. And Henry Armstrong was the same. Like, in your face. <laughs> I haven't got time to muck around. I haven't got time. Uh, Henry Armstrong was the, the, the first man to, to hold three world titles simultaneously. Wow. So, he was, he was feather, lightweight, and world champion. Mm. And then, uh, he fought. Um, oh, man, who did fight for the middleweight title? It's gone out of my head. My apologies, man. It's all right. Don't uh, worry. Saffirano. The, um, he, he fights he fights him um, for the uh, middleweight crown and gets a draw can you imagine that <laughs> yeah right and this is a little guy who was actually a featherweight wow he, right so but Marciano would watch these guys Marciano would watch would watch these guys and how they would just bludgeon you with shots and he liked
0: that so much yeah um, so the definition of a prize fighter really isn't it it's someone that goes in there and yeah just, it wasn't such so right much yeah, it wasn't so much the fine skills. I think he had twelve amateur fights. It was it was very much a kind of um, a job, and you go in there and, and, and a gladiator sort of style to it. Yep, one hundred percent. Yankee Stadium uh, as well. That must have been quite some scenes when he fought, wasn't he? That was a one he fought at. A well, few he times. fought he
1: fought Yankee Stadium quite a few times. So yeah. like he fought he fought there quite a few times. So um, he had his last fight there as well the against Um And what people seem to forget that he and Archie Moore, because I watched a documentary just the other day on, on Marciano as well. When he and uh, um, Archie Moore fought, they actually weighed the same weight. Really? Yeah. They both came in the same weight.
0: And Archie Moore it was, was Mark, a lot older, wasn't he? First, so. champion. Yeah. yeah, he was a lightheadweight champion the world, Right?
1: And Archie Moore was wearing he's He seemed better days. But, Marci- but um, Archie Moore holds the record of most knockouts of any world champion. Really? In the history books, yeah, 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 yeah. That light heavy, yeah. No, no. As for any fighter, he okay. had something like... it. Records differ, right? Because, you know, like, records differ. Some <laughs> say that he had 140 KO wins, <laughs> right? Yeah. ever have, have a Right. 140 KO wins. I have a record saying he had 135... Uh, I think BoxRick have got it down at 132 KOs. But regardless, that is a ridiculous amount of chaos. Yeah. Right? Out of having just, under, just short of 190 fights.
0: Yeah, they packed the fights in, didn't they? I was looking at Marciano. He really started in 48, and then he finished in 55. And he had 49 fights in that time. I mean, they're rattling through them. And that was probably relatively inactive compared to some of the fighters. Yep. 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 Um, so...
1: It was a different time. And When he fought, when he fought Archie Moore, Archie Moore actually floored him in that fight. I think he floored him in the second round. The second round? Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's but okay, he, mate. Don't worry. Right. He, he floors him, and Marciano gets up straight away. And I remember as a kid, they, we'd have these, these boxer collections of, of, um, of fight videos that we'd all collect and we'd share them around. Like your the gym mates, and you share these around. I remember. Um, Archie Moore saying that he had Marciano, but the referee um gave him a long count and gave him time to 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 to, to recover from being knocked down. And when you watch it back now, you look at there's a lot of rubbish. <laughs> but you know when you're in there, certain things both become legendary and, and Archie Moore yeah. complained about how the referee the referee took long and he was he was down for about three, four seconds.
0: Yeah. Well, for, yeah. Witness, gets- w- witness reports are always inaccurate, aren't they? Even when it's not yourself. Yeah, not yeah, so, yeah, yeah. memories. Yeah.
1: And when you're, and when you're in the fight, yeah, when you're in the fight. Remember, fighters work in milliseconds. And it's amazing how you you you'd be in a ring, and you'd see something as you see it, or when you've done it, and you think it actually was longer than it took. Mm. Because you are working milliseconds, and then when it goes into real time, it's 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 something that's gone really quickly. But when you're in there, you think it's take a longer than what it is because fighters actually work in milliseconds but they actually slot up time for their own for their own benefit so mm. obviously when you're in a fight like that you're thinking so someone say one two in your head you're thinking <laughs> eight nine ten so yeah it's one of those things but how Marciano came back and he stopped and when he stopped um, um, Archie Moore he bludgeoned Archie Moore to death mm. it was it was it was a Anyway, Phil would listen I'm saying, go and watch that fight. I'm sure it's on you. It's on YouTube, no doubt. Yeah. Um, when Archie Moore, Archie Moore knocked him down sneakily because he did a pull counter right hand. Like, he kind of turned his shoulder, then threw the right hand at him. Like, so turned his left shoulder towards him, then he threw a right hand. So, it blinded Marciano. He didn't see it. Marciano came in bullying, and boom, he just caught him with a shot. Mm. But Marciano was just a guy that could just bite down his gum shoulder, and he, blunding, he would bludgeon you with shots. And that's what he did to, to get knife round KO.
0: Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's incredible. that And that's his final fight at 32. When you reflect on it, do you wish that he'd come along at a different time so we could get a kind of accurate reflection on him as a, a champion that if he'd maybe stayed on a bit to fight Floyd Patterson albeit a young Floyd Patterson or Sonny well, Liston?
1: The, 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 thing, the thing about is this is like, nobody really believes that Rockland Son would have been at Sonny Liston. Hmm. But Patterson, um, do you think Floyd Patterson maybe? Um, and I remember, I think the Sports Illustrated or Kale did, Kale Magazine did Fantasy Fight and they did Floyd Patterson versus Rocky Marciano. Yeah. And they had Floyd Patterson winning on points. And I think at the time, what, what um, Marciano complained about, he said he couldn't stand going to the gym anymore. He couldn't stand going to the gym He anymore. Like the smell of the gym. <laughs> like you go into the gym and have a smell. He said he, 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 it was something that he was probably fell out of love with. Yeah. so when you're hearing those kind of things that's the right time for me to retire mm. then it was the right time for him to retire because I don't think it would have served this purpose any well if it had continued knowing that the desire is not in there but if you think like um Marciano at his best versus any of these guys then Marciano would give you trouble mm. but when we're in comparison to the heavyweights that we have today then this. It's so much
0: different. Even then, even with Ali and Foreman and people yeah. like that and, and, and Liston, they were just naturally bigger human beings, weren't they? It wasn't really, you, you wouldn't really put them in the same weight division or the same contest, would you, in a sense, when you look at it? And particularly now, as you say, that the modern heavyweights of Tyson Fury and, and Anthony Joshua.
1: Well, Tyson, Tyson Fury and those guys are just taking it to another level. Mm. Um, and that's the truth. They have taken. This size thing up to another level. And always you always get this growth. I think the growth of like the heavyweights that we got today really, really spun off. The evolution yeah. of the heavyweights started from Lennox list. Yeah. Because he was coordinated, wasn't he? He was a coordinated big guy, which he didn't see before. No. Yeah. You never saw that before. We never we weren't um sadly to see anything like that before. So mm-hmm. when when we see things like that, then we think, you know, it's a it's, a, it's so different. Because I remember. Allegedly, there was a guy called Nino Nino Valdez. Mm-hmm. And in um, in in nineteen in 1954, there was a lot of talk of Nino Valdez, who was a Cuban fighter, that he was going to end up fighting Rocky Marciano. Mm-hmm. And they say, when I speak to the old timers, and I'm talking to the American old timers, I, I was very fortunate to sit and talk for hours with Burt Sugar. Wow. Um and this was the night before Danny Williams fought um, Mike Tyson, uh, Vitaly. No, Vitaly Klitschko for the world, mm-hmm. world title. And we spoke for hours on boxing. And he was saying, "Young man, you you <laughs> you know your stuff." Mm-hmm. And while we speaking, I was saying about Marciano I was saying, "Well, how great was Marciano? He said, "Martial was he was great, but not only the fact that what made Marciano great was his toughness, mm-hmm. and his 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 indomitable spirit. He had a, he had a will." to say like he wasn't going to take no as the answer. Even mm. when everything never looked too good for you and all the rest of it, he was not going to take no for an answer. you yeah. will carry on and carry on and carry on. Yeah. And yeah, in 54, it's muted that he was meant to fight Marciano and Marciano didn't really want that fight allegedly. Um, But the person who took the fight, because Nino Valdez was like a proper heavyweight. Mm. He was a man that would like, 220 pounds. Uh, he was he was like, I don't know, was he 6'3 or 6'4? He was a yeah. big man. Right? A big man. And he could punch. And that was a talk. Well, Marciano, you're going to have to fight Nino Valdez. And it was like, Marciano wasn't too quick to say like, he wanted that fight. Yeah. And you know who he did take the fight? No. Archie Moore. Uh... Archie Moore took that fight and beats him, and that's why Archie Moore got the shot at
0: Rocky Marciano. Wow, that's a good, that's a good recollection. I mean, it's, it's interesting just thinking about this weekend with Canelo and Callum Smith at super middleweight, the huge height and reach difference there. And I was just thinking while you were talking there about the size difference and, and doing some calculations in my head, I think Tyson Fury would be 10.5 inches, not far off a foot taller than Rocky Marciano. And what it would be not uncommon for, for Fury to weigh... 18, 19 stone, so like five or six stone heavy. I mean, it's incredible how it's changed. And it, it makes you reflect, doesn't it? And I know the WBC has been hit with a lot of flack for the, the bridge weight concept, but you do wonder if, if the weight scales need to be looked at a little bit. And I always think, I don't know what you think, Spencer, that that gap between light heavy and cruiserweight, which I guess someone like Anthony Yard may, may stare at at some point in his future, is, is a, is, it's a gulf, isn't it? That's too big a gap, it feels like. Well, we say that,
1: right? But Lloyd Halligan always say to me, if you're if you're if you're if you're good enough, you're big enough. Yeah. Right? And we have seen some sometimes where there has been this massive golfing weight with certain fighters and the the smaller guy comes out on top and wins. Yeah. So be a challenge um, for Fury,
0: wouldn't it? For Marciano be that small to come? It'd be, you know, he, it'd be a real challenge to keep him off, in a sense, I suppose. Well, the, the,
1: talk, the talk is that Tyson Fury don't take body shots too well. So he'd be the wrong person playing Rocky Marciano coming at you throwing body shots. But you, you'd have to say that, you know, those guys would just be too big. And it's like, be great for your time and your era, and we have to evolve. Do you know what I'm trying to say to you? It's yeah. like, they don't even make jumbo jets no more. Right. <laughs> They don't make Concords no more. Remember when Concords were the biggest thing yeah. ever? Oh, I'm flying
0: Concord and would have to pay some... Uh, it's, shame though, it's about two and a half hours, is it? Two and a half, three hours to New York from London? That's pretty, pretty impressive. On Concord. Why did they stop making them? I do whether it was the cost. There was a crash, wasn't there? Do you remember the Charles de Gaulle airport? I think there was a, wasn't there an incident there in Paris, it sort of 2000, 2001, something like that. And I think it then became uh, a concern. But I think it was also very expensive with the fuel costs and things to, to run them.
1: Okay. Well, you gotta think you you was doing that on Concord in like London to New York in two and a half hours. Yeah. Right. What's that? Go uh, for London lunch. to New York. Exactly. <laughs> London to New York is like six hour flight, right? Eight hour yeah. flight? Yeah. Right. And you're doing it in two and a half hours. So you gotta think how we've evolved as human beings, right? Even though it's not making them, but they could go back to them if they really wanted to. Right? right.
0: Yeah. Electric one,
1: hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so you, when you look at things, and when you look at things like that, you're saying to yourself, "Like, wow! Like, we, us as human beings, we've evolved." Mm. Um, you got to think um, back in the old days. How how long would it have taken me to travel from from London to Birmingham on a horse and carriage?
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. But two, three that,
1: days. <laughs> right, that'd be a four day, four day, five day travel. Mm. Now you know you can jump in your car, tap in a sat nav. Right, and, and, yeah. and, and you're there in, 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 a, in, a, in an hour 45. I think so, even, in
0: the, even in the late 50s, I think my uh, parents-in-law were saying when they were kids that they used to take like something like a day and stay overnight to get down to Devon and Cornwall or something like that. There was no, no motorways or anything. It's a different, even with a motor car, it was a different picture.
1: Right, so we, we, we do, we, we evolve. So I think like on certain things, we just could be grateful for our errors. And he said, "Well, you were great in your era. Someone's going to surpass you in greatness because we evolve." And I think it's wrong when people, when when people want to hold on to, well, such and such would have been such and such back in whatever time it was, or blah 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 blah. Because you never really know. You know, when it comes to heavyweight boxing, you don't know. When it comes to all the other weights, you don't rightly know. But when I was watching, I was last night. I was watching Sugar Ray Leonard versus Pete Ranzini. Ranzini was a good fighter. Uh, Pete Ranzini was a man that was the North American Boxing Federation world to weight champion. And he fought Ray Leonard and Ray Leonard stops him in two or three rounds. But if you look at Leonard's body compared to the athletes of today, Mm. right, that was 1979. If you look at his body compared Mm -hmm. to the athletes of today, their body type is totally different now because I think back then they were more working on skill and technique and mm-hmm. nowadays, we're we're looking for fitness and endurance, strength and conditioning, and yeah. Right, exactly. So it's, the game is totally different, even though they're the same weight, yeah. But the training was totally different. You look at Floyd body in comparison to Greg Lennon's body; it's a totally different body,
0: yeah. And it's always it's yeah, always you know, what, it's, it's always guys at their peak as well. And whether you even in their own areas, whether they ever meet at their peak, which I guess is what's exciting about uh, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua is they're very similar ages, aren't they? Which makes us excited because we feel like with those two that we would get a sense of, of who the better man is because they, they both seem at the peak of their powers.
1: Well, the thing about it is this is like, you'd have to tip Tyson Fury to beat Andy Joshua. Hmm. But he's more experienced, isn't he? I suppose professionally. He's, he's, He's more experienced, right? In a boxing match, definitely I'm going to be picking, uh, um, Tyson Fury. But one thing that came out yesterday from Freddie Roach, um, the hall of fame trainer, um, And Freddie Roach said that um, with Tyson Tyson Fury, that if he boxes Southpaw, Mm -hmm. he'll easily beat up Andy Joshua, but Andy Joshua has a better boxing skill. This is his words. He said, technically Andy Joshua's a better boxer than Tyson Fury. Wow. Now I, now I don't know where that's coming from. I maybe it's because they, they threw him out the corner. Like he's meant to work with Tyson Fury. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he's feeling a little bit upset because he thought like, okay, yeah, we need a better guy in the corner,
0: and he must have thought like, right. Fury Fury yeah. boxed Southpaw in the rematch with Derek Chisora, didn't he? Where he had a lot of success against Chisora. Yes, he did. He did. He boxed excellent in that fight, to
1: tell you the truth. Um, mm. Absolutely excellent. Um and. So maybe that's coming from. Maybe that's coming from him being upset because he must have thought, well, Tyson Fury is going to come to me now because he's going to get rid of um, Ben Davidson and he's going to come to me. Yeah. But I remember seeing him, and this is six years ago. I remember Tyson Fury fighting Martin Rogan. You remember Martin Rogan? Yep. <laughs> He beat um, Audie Harrison, right?
0: Yeah, did really well. He had a, he had a sort of Cinderella story, didn't he? As the Americans were saying, in his in his thirties, he was a hurler or something like that, and then he became yeah, a, a yeah. success. Yeah, and he beat Audie
1: Harrison. In, um yeah, what was it? Ten rounds over ten rounds, he beat Audie yeah. Harrison in two thousand
0: eight, something like
1: that. Yeah, and then we was looking at this guy to say, bloody hell, oh, <laughs> You're gonna, I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna do something here, right? Yeah. Um, and then he I I can't remember, what, what was the undercard that he fought? He, I can't remember what undercard. I think it was the undercard of Amy Khan, it's an Ame Kahn fight. I think it's Ame Khan mm. He fought on the undercard. Um and and he and he fights Uli Harrison on that. And he rustled Uli Harrison and and Tyson threw box the whole fight, stops in five rounds. And this is an island as well, because I had a kid boxing on the undercard. Yeah. And and he Played with him mm. seriously, yeah. yeah. I remember that because Chris Ruben Jr. was on the other car as well for that fight,
0: yeah. That was the boxer yeah. sort of exposing this fighter, wasn't it? In Rogan, yeah, yeah, sort of yeah, 12, yeah, you know, late, late, adjusted, late adopted, yeah, yeah,
1: 2012. And Tyson 3 boxed Southpaw for five rounds at that time, <laughs> real quick. Clifton Mitchell, and I got a picture of me and Tyson 3 in the changing room and he had hair there and he looked very young and
0: suave. We would have been like, uh, what are we, about 22, 23, something like that, very young, yeah. Yeah, he was young. Um, so, you know,
1: Tyson Fury, I think he's left-handed. Tyson Fury makes boxing southport not relatively easy
2: <laughs> mm.
1: because I remember watching him fight, when he was in that fight with Mike Rogan, I was saying, come on, you're going to change. You're going to have to
0: switch over soon. And he did the mm-hmm. switch. He stayed the way that he was. Is that because um, if you put power in both hands, is that the key to, to switch hitting? If you can do both in that sense, that you have a power shot on your mm-hmm. right and your left, so you can do it. Yeah, right but left. it's
1: like certain, certain guys can do it, and there's cropped all about it. It was like, I boxed out of an orthodox position. That means I'm leading with my left hand, and yeah. I'm actually left-handed.
0: Ah. Which right. is the opposite of what Kevin, many, Mitchell, Kevin many, Mitchell did the opposite way around, didn't he? He boxed southpaw, but he, he was right-handed. Is that right?
1: Yeah. yeah. So, no, Kevin Mitchell was orthodox. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. so Kevin Mitchell was left-handed it was left-handed but it led with, the, with the, a ah, the lead good. hand yeah. power shot yeah. and the same thing with like Oscar De La Hoya Colin McMillan there's loads of guys I go through and say well you're you're actually a cheat <laughs> <laughs> right but there are certain guys that can do it certain guys that can't do it and I'll say that all the credit in the world should be given to um, Tyson Fury because he can do it for a big man he does it relatively easy as well yeah. so I have to clap in for that, you know?
0: What, one of the reflections I had, Spencer, quickly to, to wrap up Rocky Marciano was often we look at it now, and rugby's going through this at the moment, there's law c- cases against the, the uh, governing bodies of the sport for injuries, sustained concussion, brain injuries, often the effects of it long-term. And with boxers, we always worry about them going on too long, the risks involved, fighting a certain way because you take a lot of punishment, like maybe Rocky Marciano did. But then you look at it and think the guy became a heavyweight champion in the world, retired undefeated. Then he died in a plane crash, I was reading, at 45. And you think, you have to be careful in life because it ends someday, doesn't it? So you don't want to be too safe because you never quite know how long you're going to be around and, and what, what you could miss out on. You don't. And, and also for that, he had, like,
1: he had all of his money buried somewhere, hidden somewhere, <laughs> like $5 million that wow. the family never got. Yeah, What really, cash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And nobody knows where he's buried treasures.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And his legacy lives on in terms of the undefeated record, doesn't it? Because as much as it may have gone had he fought a Liston or a Patterson, I think he's always a reference point, isn't he, for the modern fighters? We reference him with Calzaghe, 46-0, and Mayweather, 50 unbeaten or whatever he is currently and whoever <laughs> the quality of the opposition he's fighting at the moment. I don't know whether it counts necessarily as extending that record, but um these they he, marciano's name resonates as much as anyone from from that era it it
1: does because um like i said marciano was was the person that had the hopes of america, and not only that but by him being italian as well mm. The mob ran the game at that time. Don't get twisted, not fit. They didn't. So, uh, so Marciano was the kind of person that that um, encapsulated all of these different cultures. Yeah, Because he, he was a very respectful man as well. And he was a very respectful man. You go listen, because a lot of the old fights that they they did, they did a series like a couple of Sugar Robinson fights and what else and it was Marciano who was doing the commentary for it, mm-hmm. yeah? Mm. And because of Rocky Marciano. Uh, and he, he was a great, respectful human being that did what he had to do or found a way to win, right? Mm. And you, you can argue all you want and say, oh, Rocky Marciano didn't beat no one, or Rocky Marciano this, Rocky
0: Marciano that.
1: Rocky Marciano retired 49-0.
0: Yeah, and Ezra Charles, people like that we mentioned on his record, it's they're still distinguished names, aren't they? In right, you know, see, as a Ezra as Charles, right? Ezra Charles, Archie Moore, very distinguished name,
1: right? Because mm. Archie Moore is one of the greatest of all times. Ezra uh, Charles in boxing is rated as the greatest fighter of all time. Did you know that? No, I didn't. No, no problem. No problem. Um, or, as a Charles, look at Ezra Charles' record. How many, how many uh, Hall of Famers did he beat? And, and they could say, well, Floyd Mayweather beat more. Yeah, because there's more chance to become a Hall of Famer now than it was back then. Yeah. right. Yeah. Like, as a child beat some incredible fighters. Yeah. And regardless of that it wasn't his weight, like I like I uh referred to earlier, he was heavier than Marciano when they fought. Yeah. So we when we in reflection, Marciano was a great fire. Marciano was a man because of who he was, he inspired another generation mm. through the the Rocky movies. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing, right. isn't it? Yeah. Right. Of course, it's amazing, right? And what and it happens that Silvestro is Italian American as well. So we can't take nothing away from Rocky Marciano because he took what he took. Whatever, whatever cards were dealt with him, and he he'd always shuffle those cards around to get a
0: winning hand. Yeah, and a guy born in '23, right. like we said, his career would have been. Early career massively affected by the war, the second world war, and the whole society was it? Of,
1: of, of course, it was. Of course, it was. Marciano Mar- Mar- yeah. was a great,
0: and that's that. I yeah. mean, they very and people,
1: people are very protect, protective of Rocky Marciano mm. because of what he symbolized.
0: Yeah, well, Spence, it's been an awesome speech again, mate. I, pr- I appreciate you got the family at home. Quick thought before you go on and what people can maybe watch on over Christmas any documentaries, books that would be good to read boxing books what's your take on it a must see or must read um i would say right now
1: i always like to go back to the to, to the old time books as well so bud Schulberg, the Harder fool they fall um i've got a signed copy of that book which i nicked from one of our mates chris <laughs> which i've got to give back because he just sent <laughs> me a message recently and because he sent me that message i said you know what i'm gonna read that book again so excellent book um about the perils and shortfalls of the professional game yeah. um, they actually made that into a movie at Humphrey Bogart in it Yeah, excellent right so I'm going to read I'm going to go read that book and I was very fortunate to meet Bud Schulberg in April of 19 sorry of 2008 when wow. um, Joel Kawasaki boxed when Joel Roy Jones no when Joel Kawasaki boxed Bernard Hopkins yeah yeah. So I got to meet him there and it was yeah, it was a very pleasant thing. I said this is Bon Schoberg and people look like they didn't know who he was. He must like, have been an older man, was he then? Yeah, it was an older man, but I still recognize him from hmm. when he used to do all the, he used to, he used to do a lot of talk about Muhammad Ali. Ah. Um yeah, so I said this is bon Schoberg. He He's like a really <laughs> pro old man. I think about a few years after that he died. But it was just nice to say like I met Bob Schoberg and I got a picture of him as well and I got to pester him about stuff. <laughs> I, think, I, think people, I think people get a bit taken aback. Like when you go to America and they see um,
0: they see an English guy who's actually black because they actually don't think there's no black English c- confu- it's like Confusing it. for them. Yeah, I remember a black friend of mine it is. telling me, he was like, oh, I've got black cousins in London and it's really strange when I go over because they've got English accents. And I said, well, you've got an American accent. <laughs> That's just where you live, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: No, but it's the truth though. They don't, they don't, they don't get it. Yeah. So, so
1: it was really nice to go and meet him um and like he he was looking at me and so oh, are you from
0: England? I was Yeah, of course,
1: yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's
0: a but guy, yeah, there's yeah. a guy at Sky, JD Dyer, is a young reporter presenter, and he was telling me he went to college in the south of the States and they thought he was making it up. Like they thought he was uh, an American who was just winding them up. I, yeah. I know
1: I know JD very well He's a good yeah. kid, you know. I'm yeah. really I'm, I'm really happy for, 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 for what he's doing. I think um what he's doing right now is is He's pioneering, so I, I always big him up. I like that kid a lot, man. Good. Yeah, kid.
0: He's doing well, and he's he's a he's a sort of fashion guru like yourself, Spence. He's well dressed lad, isn't he? Sir. Well, what, the thing about footsteps? it
1: is you go to speak to him, and they tell you where they learned it from. I'm like a boss.
0: You
1: know, I'm, I'm, on <laughs> the fence. I'm getting old, I've got grey beard now, and everything, but yeah, it Spence is what suits. it is. Yeah, yeah, Good it man, is what it is. always a pleasure, Ed Draper. You have a beautiful, beautiful Christmas, and I brother. want everyone to realize this right now with the COVID pandemic and everything else, and we're losing loved ones and stuff like that. Um, it was just like just recently, um, sorry to drag this out, but mm. Freddie Burkham, who's the boxing editor for the News of the World, yeah. When when the news of the world on Sunday was excellent because he'd always have a feature on boxing, you get a chance to read it, and yeah. you'd be so privileged to go get these kind of things. Not like today, but because anything you want, a click of a finger,
0: yeah, right. Very f- are there are f- few professional you... boxing journalists now, as well. I was reading George Kimball, he was probably one of the last, the last, you know, great ones who were paid to... one of the last great ones. Kimball was excellent, yeah. and um, to see
1: um, to, to Freddie Burkham, a, who's a dear friend. And like we were speaking just yesterday. I was spoke every every round about Christmas time. I always give him a phone call because he was a man that's been very, very supportive of me, very helpful, rightful, right? For everything that I've done. And I owe this man a lot. So um, I was speaking to him and he unfortunately just lost his wife. Oh man. So he's kind of down and all the rest of it. Because it just crossed my mind. He always said, I oh, spent you got a nice suits. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna make your day. Because I know he lives up in Sussex. So I said, yeah. you know what? I'm gonna come and I'm gonna come and collect you. I'm gonna drive up to you, I'm gonna collect you. And I'm going to bring you to my tailor to make you a suit. It takes about six weeks for a suit to, to be made. But I'm saying, I'm going to do that because you know what? He's been a man that's been very, very supportive, very helpful. Nice. And, and I spoke to him and he said, you know what, Spence? It's a shock that you ran. You don't have to do nothing for me. He goes, um, but yeah, um, me, um, my wife passed away two months ago. Mm. And I'm kind of taken aback because I remember like, this is the second time of him being married. His, his first wife passed away about 25 years ago. Blimey, exactly 25 25 years ago, I'm still meddling with boxing. But and he said, like, at that time, there Mm. because years ago, when I was on a court case, he came as a character reference for me Mm -hmm. and he spoke so highly of me. I had to turn around and say, I don't know what Spencer Ferron is talking about, I don't know, and (laughs) yeah, and and anyway, but he, he. and we was having a good little chat and he, and he was saying to me like, when my first wife died, you really did help me, you know, Spence. It's amazing how you can help people. 25 you don't years Yeah. 25 years And it's kind of, it kind of warmed me up a little bit to realise. And we were speaking, I said to him this, I said, Freddie, you know what? Because it's been a tough year for most people who I know. Mm. I know mm. people have died from COVID. I've lost 13 people, well, i told you on the last podcast. 13. <laughs> Sorry, man. 13. Yeah. And my aunt, who was like my second mum, yep. she passed away from jaundice, wasn't it wasn't from COVID. She passed away from jaundice, and it, it, it welled me up.
2: Oh, man. And yeah, it
1: did. No, it, it, it did properly because that was like, she was like, she was like my good mother, you know. Your yeah. your your real, real mums <laughs> treated are, you. They're, they're dis- <laughs> yeah, they're too disciplinary. <laughs> but she, she, you know, you get blies. You know when you're a niff. Yeah. when you're a niff, you get blies, don't you? No, my, you my
0: auntie's life. my auntie's like that. We used to go and sit, stay with her in Ealing in, in West London, and she she'd give us frosties we weren't allowed at home, and we'd we'd go out yeah, and get all this stuff. All of that.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. So and I had and I and I was raised with my aunt hmm. on the weekdays. and I'd go home on the weekends. I'd go to school and everything in one particular area. And then I'd leave and go back to another area. And losing her was hard for me. But I said to Freddie, what I realized is this, is that people only die when you forget them. this is the truth. And I know I lost my dad 20 years ago now. Right? People only die when you forget them. But what I've realized more than anything is that survival is a new success. Mm -hmm. So to anyone listening to the podcast right now, I'm saying to spread joy and love wherever you can find it. Be happy, smile be grateful hug people tell people that you love them even out of the blue phone people uh especially around this christmas time where not a lot of people are going to get in visits yeah. because
0: of this lockdown and especially if you're in london we're in tear free and, and stuff makes, a diff- like that. makes a difference doesn't it to to, to compared to a whatsapp message a phone call and hearing someone's voice. Is massive special.
1: difference
0: even yeah. if it's two minutes i just want to wish you a merry christmas I'm yeah. saying to
1: anybody who's listened to Ed Draper's fantastic podcast, <laughs> I know sometimes I can go on a little bit, but that's nah, just no, that's me. We've got
0: no gatekeepers now. We can, we can chat. We've got no one yeah, telling us to wrap it yeah. up in my ear and <laughs> shut yeah, him up. Right. <laughs> I, I know. You're, you're still in the belly of the
1: beast. I'm free now, sir. I've got my free papers. But I'm saying to you, um, <laughs> it is just to be grateful, just to show people love, uh, just to show people appreciation. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. keep on pushing yeah. forward. And your
0: state, your state of how you are is interesting, isn't it? Like you had that effect on that person of you know him losing his wife, and actually you never know if it's a stranger, even an exchange in a shop saying hi, how you doing? You never know what impact it makes. We don't know what being aware. Yeah, and
1: unfortunately, we're living in a world right now in this text, tweet, gram era. Yeah, negativity is perpetuated even more because of reflection on the other person. Yeah. Now I'm saying to anybody this now, let's just spread love. We don't need to say the things to anybody else. We don't need to, because you never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. And when somebody jumps on to say negative things about you, uh, as soon as you're in a spotlight, you're going to get, you could get a hundred people who support you, but they're not going to be vocal with it. You could get 10 people that, that can't stand you, and they have to be vocal about it. Yeah. So but that's not a reflection. That's not a reflection on you. That's a reflection
0: on them. I'm yeah, they may not everyone, be doing, not doing well. Yeah, hurt, right, exactly. hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, that's a good
1: thing. Right, exactly. And it's, it's what you, it's what you um, value or validate as being successful. But I'm telling everyone, if we're here right now, you're listening to this or you're doing whatever you are, mm. survival is a new success. Yeah, make the most of right? Enjoy it and enjoy you wake it. Up, <laughs> thank you. And if you wake up in the morning, and you've got a roof over your head, food in your fridge, and you're healthy, Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to tell you this that you've won. And mm. on that note, my friend, I'm going to say have a plum pleasing Christmas, Ed Draper, with you and your lovely family. And I'll see you in 2021, healthy, wealthy, and strong.
0: Good man. Spencer, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir. There we go. The one and only Spencer Fear on Master Knowledge. Tragic time for him, and I didn't really realize how deep it had gone. 13 people he's lost this year a lot of them through COVID-19 apparently. And that's, guess, brings it into context for those of who haven't been affected by the virus in that way, the the severity of it. And also that final message, really inspirational. It's great to chat to him about Rocky Marciano, but that that leaving, parting message. and, And Spencer also is a student of Les Brown, the great motivational American speaker. And that sense of gratitude being such a key component to a good mindset and a healthy, happy mindset, appreciating what we have. I think is pertinent, and I'm sure you maybe have people in your life who have struggled with the loss of liberty, the restrictions, the threat of the virus, the fear, the anxiety, but just kind of coping with it in the sense of appreciating what we have, controlling the controllable. And It's a subject I will talk about with John Hudson at a great level as well, the UK military's chief survival instructor, uh, RAF principally, the Royal Air Force, but John's a good friend of mine. we talk about that in the podcast I recorded that I'll put out next week christmas week uh, kind of reflective piece on the year as well a bit like that with spencer uh, but yeah powerful powerful message i think and certainly in terms of focusing on what our attention i've had people in my life who are very distressed by the situation very frustrated and very upset and angry by the whole thing and the complexities of it and actually you know realizing that, that that's now it's not the time necessarily unless you're going to really challenge everything and you've got a better answer because it's a complex picture of just trying to be grateful for what we have the family the friends and are looking out for each other. And as he says, they're reaching out to people you haven't spoken to for a while. And the power of that human connection through the voice that's maybe not there through a digital uh, message via text message or WhatsApp. But Spencerfield, great to speak to him. Great to speak about Rocky Marciano as well. Love to have seen him box. Kind of uh, pugnacious front foot. This Susie Q punch that came from a popular song of the day, apparently, his, uh, which was you throwing your arms around. And uh, that right hook, I think, ostensibly is what it was, reading between the lines. But, yeah, real powerhouse and how it compares to the modern era and as we hope for all the small hall boxing shows to come online, the amateur stuff as well, leading up to the Olympics to come back in 2021. I have to be grateful for all the promoters and the people, the boxers who put themselves out. I would probably hear that drill coming through. The next-door neighbours have moved in and they're uh, looking to refurbish I think they're taking out the Stanistair lift of the old lady who used to live next door. So apologies for that if it's coming through. But, yeah, I think that Rocky Marciano is a fascinating story and... And the great people of history to think he died in an airplane at the age of 45, just before his 46th birthday. Makes you think, doesn't it, sometimes about that risk reward in life as we look to take learnings from the past year. And sometimes it's not how long you live, it's how you live. And he certainly lived a fantastic, uh, compelling story, his life and his boxing uh, story remains intact. And the undefeated record, 49-0, 43 knockouts. The great Rocky Marciano. Hope you like that. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Check out Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham's website, BO Cheltenham, on Twitter and Instagram, the local, the sort of latest gadgets and products that they're uh, getting in store there, promoted often on that Instagram account. So uh, wish them a Merry Christmas. Thank you for their support. Been huge this year. Thank you to you for listening to the podcast. And as I say, if you're looking to optimize your immunity, just uh, stay well, both sort of superficially without coughs and colds, but sort of deeper level of micronutrition and uh, just bolstering your system. Then certainly as a family, we support. My dad, GP, practitioner, doctor, micronutritionist, very much uh, advocates the use of supplements from Cytoplan food-based company, and the discount code. If you would like to pursue that avenue or try them out, is Draper 10R, D-R-A, P-E-R, 10, R-D-R-A-P-E-R-1-0, the Capital Letter R. So all the letters are capital D-R-A-P-E-R, the numerals 10 and then the Capital Letter R. Well, hope you're well, guys. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. And I will speak to you next week and bring you that podcast from John Hudson, the UK military's chief survival instructor and a fine man to boot. Thank you guys. Bye for now.